Traditionally, tis the season to be jolly, but to the global Marxists, tis the season to advance their aims to control all things. And if Alex Jones is safe enough for Tucker Carlson, well, Gary and I thought it might be time to talk about what is going on behind the curtain. Gary also gives a plug for the newly launched legislative report card. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Merry Christmas. So this, of course, you know, I understand the whole Cookie Christmas thing. Like, I understand where this is heading. Wait. Well, no, that, I mean, I, we, we went through this last year. Like, we went through the whole Christmas season and Christmas songs. And Ex- it's explain great. it to me. Wait. Well, no, you had talked about, you know, family tradition and all the Christmas music filling the season. And- mm, I've actually played far less Christmas music this year than actually, And you know what? That's years. true. I'm, actually, as I sit here, I'm recording now. We're in the second week of December. I'm like, I can't believe this is the first Christmas yep. song we I, I've really tried to restrain myself. <laughs> okay, what's the name of the song? Oh, well, Deck the Halls. Right? Okay, and who's the artist? Oh, God. That sounds like um, Nate. Uh, no, what? Uh, what's? Uh, oh, Nat King Drop Cole. The e, yeah. Nat King Cole. <laughs> not Nate. I knew. King Cole. I knew it was like not Nate, but yeah, Nat King Cole. That's exactly right. What a way to end that song. Hey, I got the artist too. That's... Yeah, you're never gonna get that one wrong. I, I would. I would lose a lot of, a lot of hope and faith in Gary <laughs> if he got that one wrong. So, tis the season to be jolly. Uh, if you're a believer, that's true, right? For yes. a Christian, this is this is an important season. And even though it was established according to a secular calendar, uh, the truth of the matter doesn't change, right? When Jesus was born, whether it was, um, you know, I think we know that it, he was born in the springtime, the fact that they celebrate it uh, along with pagan holidays in December doesn't change the reality that Christ came uh, took the form of a man, fully God and fully man, and that is our eternal and only hope. So there is joy for Christians despite the terrible times that sometimes it seems in which we live. And Gary, as you came in this this morning, you said, because we're recording in the morning, which is kind of nice, you said, well, do we want to talk about Alex Jones and Tucker Carlson <laughs> and uh, houses blowing up in Arlington? And we thought, what the heck? what better avenue or or place to talk about these things because they're real and i think what you i think you hit the nail on the head gary when you said there's so many people who seem to want to focus on trump desantis or trump biden and that's not really where we are is it no not at all and the fact that individuals are willing to gloss over uh what we're actually facing right now is troubling there's so much before us uh, you know, and this brings to mind, you know, I've been asked several times, you know, who do you support? Who do you think is going to be in the White House? Whatever. I mean, the bottom line, and we've we've talked about you've I mean, you've said this for well over a year now that, you know, there's just no way we're going to ha- being election integrity, being where it is across mm-hmm. America, knowing that, number one, we don't want to federalize elections. That'd be a really bad idea. Right. But also we sit here in Tennessee. We cannot control the fraud that is happening right. in other states, mm-hmm. you know, they have to rectify those situations themselves. That being the case, you speculate that, you know, there's no way we're going to see another Republican in the White House. And 
I, I tend to agree. So when people ask me about all this, I'm like, well, you realize that the next president is Gavin Newsom. Right. Not because it's what I want it to be. It's because he's who they've selected. Right. <laughs> so. and, and, and when you when you analyze that, the thing I shake my head at is people talking about, well, Trump's so far ahead in the polls. I'm like, the polls don't matter when you control the election system. Hil- Hillary Clinton are- was that far ahead in the polls back in 2016. That, right. was, that was the big talking point. And we already saw what happened. In, if, if 2020 didn't do anything else, it should have awakened people. Remember, Joe Biden was speaking to 25 people in lawn chairs when Trump was speaking to 70,000 people. And this wasn't just one event, right? It happened over and over and over again. So for anyone not to understand that, and people would say, well, why isn't he out there campaigning? Because if he's going to be selected by machinery that is not controlled by the citizens, the free citizens, why would you campaign, right? And this is what's happening with Gavin Newsom, right? By hook or by crook, one way or another, I firmly believe and have believed for a long time that Joe Biden is either going to step aside, something tragic might happen to him, he's going to be forced out, and you can see all the steps that Gavin Newsom has been taking while not being the least bit concerned about his political record in California, right? Everybody says, oh, but Gavin Newsom's got a terrible record in California. It doesn't doesn't matter. matter. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. And so that, you know, that conversation right there about, again, this isn't this isn't like speaking uh, in hope here. This is certainly not what we want. I'm I'm just looking at things as they are mm-hmm. and trying to discern the times, right? Yep. And so, with that thinking, of course, this week it was incredibly interesting to me, um, or actually last week, sorry, that Tucker released this interview with Alex Jones. And, and not only did Tucker release an interview, I think it was an hour and 16 minutes, something like that, with Alex Jones, but subsequently, Alex Jones is now back on Twitter. And uh, because, uh, interestingly, Elon Musk admitted, and I can't remember the name, I think uh, Oliver Darby, is that the right name? Something like that. Um, Elon acknowledged, he went back and looked um he said this on the record, by the way. He went back and looked at the Twitter logs as to why he was actually deplatformed from Twitter. Like, uh, he went back and looked at the employee logs to see what in the Twitter logs earned his third community strike. And when was it? Uh, I, I don't remember when it was. I mean, I, I guess it a- would have. After 2020? Somewhere around okay. there. And, uh, but he earned his third strike and they deplatformed him from Twitter. And the, 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 Going theory is that it was always been, well, because he's spreading misinformation, he's lying. Well, actually, in the employee logs, they acknowledge that the reason he got his third strike was because he was mean to a journalist whose name was Oliver Darby. Mean. Mean, yeah. Okay. He was mean to a journalist. So because of the fact that he was mean to another journalist that everyone in that genre really liked and appreciated, right, um, he was banned from Twitter. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Clearly, clearly all pretext. Yeah, and, and being censored, you know. So anyway, but but that's not really even the point. Uh, the The point is, here you have Tucker on on what is it? Is it correct to say I think the most viewed newscast in history right now? Tuck the Tucker on X. Well, it certainly you, is. Huge, and it's it's way surpasses anything that's happened in television media in our day. And he's interviewing, you know, this quote unquote conspiracy theorist named Alex Alex Jones, 
and they're saying all the things, everything. I mean, in in Alex's words, as he and it makes you know, and Tucker even said this. He said, you know, there was a time where I would listen to all of the things that you're saying and just completely dismiss you as a crazy person. But he said, sitting where I'm sitting now, listening to you connect the dots, I, I, it just makes sense. You know, that's the only thing I can say right now is that everything you're saying makes absolute sense. And and as he's walking through where we are right now, he he make, made the statement, people don't realize that that these globalists, these Marxists, these New World Order people that have been at this for centuries, honestly, this is not – they're not testing the waters anymore. We are now in 2023. We are in full – operational mode it's interesting you say test the waters because i i can't remember who it was but some journalist a week ago or 10 days ago ish put out a story and and the title was uh 2020 was a test or like a pretest for communism i'm like no 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 2020 was execution of the communist manifesto yeah. it, it wasn't a plan it's part of the process we're already there aren't we yeah it was the final you know it was the final straw it was we we are going to put people in total compliance mode and and they and they they recognized i think that again yeah it wasn't a test i think they knew i think they recognized that they had gotten culture to a place especially in america which probably was was the uh, point at which they really knew they had the world. When they knew they could get America to comply, they knew the rest of the world would. But they finally got um, the peasants, the lemmings, in a place where they knew they had full operational control, and they and they executed. And uh, and we're still there today. You know, he brings out, look, like eating bugs. Yes, we're going to eat bugs, and they're creating the protein powder right now. They're already they're already mixing. There's there's something that they make this powder out of crickets. That they're already putting in a lot of foods, and it's and it's, it's and the it's name toxic. makes me laugh. Cricket powder, yeah, literally. <laughs> um, you know, they the the fifteen minute cities are are being built. You mm-hmm. know, they're moving us out of combustion engines and into electric vehicles that can, that they can turn off. They have succeeded in putting a phone in in every almost at least in the modern world and in the pocket of every human being so they can track your every movement like all of these things they are in full operational mode right now yet what we want to discuss is whether or not we should vote for trump or desantis that's you're not you're not living in the same world you're not playing the same game that they are and isn't that part of the plan right if if the enemy's plan if the enemy himself can keep us focused on what used to be, which is a free election process, well, the longer that we stay uh, embedded or invested in that process, the further they can advance with their claims, right? So, um, well, no, that's that's absolutely true. And and you we were talking about this before the show, and you said didn't didn't Tucker call call him a prophet, and and he actually did because it's I, I actually didn't know this. I knew about you know, the Sandy Hook stuff and, and some things that he's been dismissed for in the past. But I had no idea that this guy literally prophesied 2011 about five months before it happened. You mean 2001? Uh, two th- yeah, 9-11, 2000, 2001. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, I had no idea that, that he – and I, and I, when I say prophesied, I mean, I don't know what else to call it because he nailed it. Yeah. Down down to the, the perpetrator. So – 
it was a uh, Tucker played this clip. It's on video. This is video record. And I and I forgive me. I can't recall if it was June or July. Well, so it was July. Let me let me give you a lead into You've that got it. because okay. um, in in Mediaite, uh, this piece ran uh, December eighth. So of. A couple, of this year. Oh, okay. Talking about this interview. Oh, got it. So here's the quote from the article. Carlson began the interview with high praise for Jones and then played a video he called a list of things you called ahead of time. And Tucker says, those 9-11 clips are crazy. I'm actually bothered by the precision of them. I'm like, how could you in July of 2001 call that? And Alex Jones says, well, in the longer clip, it's a multi-hour show from July 21st. 2021, um, I speci specifically walked through all the reasons, and I knew they were hyping up that um, hit to be about Osama bin Laden. So he said, I knew, again, going back to July of 2001, I knew that the World Trade Center had been attacked the first time and the feds had been involved, helping cook the bomb and allowing it to go forward. And I just saw a lot of the pre-programming that was happen happening in the media, calling it a false flag. So... He said the 9-11 thing, I remember really well. Nobody was thinking like that. So he, he called it in public on tape, did the 9-11 commission. So if I'm the FBI investigating 9-11, you're like the first guy I would call because you're the only person who said that out loud. <laughs> you is, would think. Yeah. Did they call you, Carlson continued? No. No, they didn't. Now, it's not like there's – nobody's ever disputed the fact that that Alex Jones had this interview, right? We have footage of it. It's real. So – they just ignored it, right? Like so if you remember in the summer we were we were going through this discussion offline, off air about 9/11 and um and all of the all of the pieces that have come together afterwards that um my family and I have gone through, you know, 5 hours of documentary footage and I used to be one of these people who would be like, "Ah, oh, these are crazy conspiracy theories, you know, by the 9/11 commission report." Just like people did in the old days with the um the Warren Commission report about JFK. Yep. But once you see all the compelling evidence and you begin to ask, why didn't we hear about this in the days of 9-11? But when you watch and read about it, you realize that for the first couple of days around 9-11, we did hear about it. Then it was you know, pushed under. Let's not talk about it. Let's not rerun that live video of people saying, well, the explosion in the first floor that's, that's of, right. of the tower, when the people were coming down to get away from the airplane damage that happened at the top of the tower, the lobby was completely yeah. exploded. They were hearing explosions. Yeah, and they, they said that on live TV. Well, once you say it on live TV, it's out there, but we never saw those interviews repeated again. And this is the kind of thing that, that obviously happened with Alex Jones. He predicted it in advance, um, obviously had a good sense of what was going to happen, and so let's not talk about that. Yeah, and... You know, it wasn't just that he he predicted there would be an attack on the World Trade Center. I mean, the, the precision of he knew that they were probably going to use commercial airliners. And then he knew that we, we knew it was a CIA operation. We know that our federal government was involved. That's at least from even from his predictions. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the idea was he was reading all of these these uh, white papers from all of these New World Order organizations yep. who stated you know, to, to continue to execute this plan, in their words, they needed, quote, another Pearl Harbor event, right? So they needed to create some kind of mass chaos um, that that would cause the populace to give up their rights in exchange for safety. I mean, yep. the, 
COVID was the same, came from the same playbook. Yeah. And he talks about that. He said he actually, Alex Jones says that his most accurate prediction going back over a decade was when he read the Rockefeller Foundation Operation Lockstep, which they described, this is before 2020, they described using a virus to bring in world government, to bring in a world medical idea that they would then build a social credit score off of and that they would make people wear masks for fear that they would shut down sporting events and things like that and basically phase in this new tyranny. So Alex Jones says... He said, I was able to specifically make that prediction. Why? Because I was going off their battle They're plan. They're telling us. Yeah, they told us in advance. So the, the moral of the story is when they tell you, believe them. Believe them. And th- we have a populace right now that just doesn't want to believe, doesn't want to recognize, somehow wants – they. It's, it's like being in the Matrix. They want to live in the Matrix. They want to live – in this false reality, because the, because living in reality is it's it's too much too of a shock scary. to the system. Yeah. It's too painful. And again, back to Alex. I mean, he even he even said that they were going to blame Osama bin Laden for it. The guy predicted everything. And so, you know, I'm watching something like this, realizing that there is a a plan that has been executed, that continues to be executed, and yet, all the way down to the, to the 2020 election, and, and we look at these, these J6ers that are still in prison, even though new speaker Mike Johnson has released these videos that show yeah. these folks being ushered in by police officers, yet, um, you know, the criminals are still in jail, mm-hmm. and, and no one seems to care enough to do anything about it. Right. Um, so I, I don't really know where to go with the conversation other than and I don't, I don't want to like ruin my own. I, I feel like I'm saying, well, everything that I do doesn't matter. I, everything we, we do matters, of course. And, I, and there's still a lot of things to fight in Tennessee. And I want to pay attention to all those things. But but if we don't do it from the perspective of understanding right. that there is this subversion that's happening right. and, and that you know, there's really a larger war at play. If we don't recognize that, if we really think that the only thing we're having right now is just some policy disagreements, like we're, we're living, we're just not living in reality. Right, because both, the, the entire political establishment, which has been rightfully called the uniparty, neither side is participating in this. What, what, what we need to remember and recognize is that this is not Republican against Democrat, and it's not even uniparty against the people in that sense. The people pulling the strings and, and maneuvering behind the scenes are using both Democrats and Republicans. They're using administration, they're using executive branch, the judicial branch, and it is not just U.S.-centric, right? This is going on all over the world, and so, yes, to— it. It's this double, it's this dualism that we're we're in because we don't want to discourage people from participating in the political process, from voting, because at local levels there is still some control, less and less, but still control. We still have the ability to influence those who do make decisions and do have some power and control to to maintain our freedom and security, but always with the mind that there is something going on behind this that we can't pretend that we're living in 1980 or 1970. 
And so with that, actually, uh, you know, my way in here, I was thinking, I, I, I want to say this because I, wa- I want to go back to something that I said on the show previously. I wrote a commentary about it and I sort of, I want to. I want to issue a correction. You know, I want to because I want to be open. I want. I want to you're gonna put on the headlines. You're going to put like in a footnote, uh, way down at the bottom of the paper. As <laughs> no, no, no. I want to. I, I want to. I, I don't even know what you're going to correct. So well, I'm it's giving you a hard time. It's the. It's. It's my stance on prior on this bill of nullification. You know, I want to. I want to sort of. I want to restate my position on that. I was never against the the practice or the idea of nullification because that's because I want to be clear on that because that's sort of what I've been accused of but but I I did have some constitutional concerns over the over the bill which I believe as I've studied and and I've had some folks send me some things that I've I've reconciled but I, but I stick by my initial statement which was you know the the problem is not that we need a bill of nullification the problem is that we need a legislature with the will and the courage to nullify unconstitutional federal actions mm-hmm. and no matter if you pass a bill of nullification or not do we have a legislature with the cojones to do to to look at the federal government and say hell no we're not doing that in tennessee uh you know especially the threat of losing federal dollars like i i don't think so i don't think we're there nonetheless the the bill and, and I, I want to say this because it's coming back up in this legislature and I'm I'm going to support the bill. The the bill simply creates a process, a, a written down structured process by which the legislature could enact to nullify an action. And you know, that's not a bad thing. Would would it make would it make it more likely that the legislature may nullify unconstitutional federal actions if there were an agreed upon process in place to do that, probably so. It probably makes that process more likely. It makes it easier to go through. So, um, I'm, um, I just want to communicate. I'm, I'm for the bill, and I'm for the idea of pushing the legislature that direction because of every of of what we've put on the table out today in this episode. Every, and I, I've said this several times. Every bit of liberty that we're going to be able to preserve and secure and procure into the future is going to be through the states. Like We have to recognize that at this point. The, the federal government's not coming to save you. The White House is not coming to save you. The, the states are going to be responsible. The states who care about liberty, the states who care about freedom, the states who care about our future, the states who share a similar – worldview and mindset to those of us here in Tennessee are going to have to learn that we're going to have to unite to, mm-hmm. at some point to, in some ways and we're going to have to pass uh, to put structure in place and and to recognize our sovereignty within our state borders to protect our own people from the tyranny that is going to be upon us both from the federal government and really as a proxy through this this Let's just call it the new world order. You know, that's what, whether it be through currency manipulation or all the different things that are coming our way, that's how we've got to be thinking. So when I look at things coming through our legislature, that's one of the most important things to be talking about because it's, it's the way we need legislators in this at the states to be thinking now. Um, we, and it's a real paradigm shift, isn't it? Because huge. We, we gone are the days or gone should be the days business as usual is not business as usual it's it's a you have to have a a complete 
uh, a 180 degree turn in how we view the role of the legislature and the executive because the assumptions upon which their roles were established were a free system uh, based on the created order. But now, now the genesis, um, that genesis has been removed and replaced by new world order and, and global uh, control and things that have nothing to do with, in fact, violate individual sovereignty. And as you said at the start, we can't change that. We can't control that. But what we can do is make sure that we are selecting people for the few places and positions that we have the freedom to select them and elect them. Make sure that we're choosing people who truly do understand what is happening behind the scenes and don't take it just at face value. I'm running for office. I'm going to vote for a bill that gives you freedom. It's like you're just tools if you're acting like that. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we have to view our state legislature and our governor and our attorney general and all of these folks at the highest levels of leadership in our state government as, as a, as a place of interposition, you mm-hmm. know, so they are, they are placing themselves and should be placing themselves in between a tyrannical federal government that I believe has been co-opted by, you know, and it's funny. I wanted to mention um, Alex Jones when he references O'Biden, Oh, I, I said it for this a Freudian <laughs> slip. When he references Biden, he calls him O Biden. And I'm right. like, that's exactly what of he course. is, you know, because we know what's really happening, yep. who, who really has the control. But I see our state leadership literally uh, as men and women who are interposing themselves, you know, between this threat of tyranny um, and and us. You know, it, they are a they should be a, a bulwark, you know, if you yep. should. I mean, they are the the guard. So we but I. What's, what scares me is certainly we don't have a governor who thinks that way. Right. I mean, he, he wants to cooperate with China. He wants to cooperate with it, you know, because because it's good for the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we just got guys that don't get it, you know, and and, you know, many in the legislature, are the same thing. I said this phrase before, you know, I call them Chamber of Commerce Republicans. You know, they're they're all about this globalist society and bringing in foreign, you know, entities and, and cooperating with this global system, you know, again, why? Well, job growth and it's good for the economy. Thinking like that is going to be our every every state's demise. Is, is there anybody then, because what you've described, Gary, wouldn't you say the common denominator for the governor and not all, because I don't know them all in their personal situations, but most of those in legislative um, executive positions is that they are all of what I would call the comfort class, right? They all make a decent living. Nobody's risked his life or his um, financial wherewithal to take the positions that they do. None of them, uh, until you're pressed to a point where, okay, I don't have anything, whether it's I don't have any reputation anymore, I don't have any money. So therefore, the people who would otherwise use that to manipulate me, they don't have any power over me. But the problem is the people that we have in positions that are supposed to be securing our liberties and extending and protecting our sovereignty, they're all subject to manipulation because they are in the comfort class. The comforts of this world mean more to them. So someone along the food chain whether it's the federal government, whether it's business, whether it's a foreign uh, adversary using money, they're all subject to that kind of blackmail, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think for the most part, that's true. I mean, certainly you can't 
paint a broad stroke like that over 132 individuals, but Which I think... Which is why I... Said I, yeah, no, I can't you speak quali- to all of them. You but. qualified that, but but I think I think in large part that's true, and I think at the very least you can say even the folks that may identify or believe or understand some of the things we're saying on this podcast, none of them are willing to say it out loud, right? You know, and that's and that's that's again the real issue. Who has the courage to be both elected and acknowledge the truth out loud? And and why do you think that is? Why won't they say it out loud? Well, because they'd be canceled. I mean, they'd be canceled by the party. They'd be canceled because uh, because of all the brokers. I mean, this this whole thing is run by financial brokers, you yep. know, by by the power players. So and, fear of cancellation. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because we because Kevin, they, you know, and let me again, let me not paint broad strokes here, but let me just say it as an individual. I believe with certainty that every bit of success, failure influence whatever that i have where i sit right now is at the hand of god Almighty. amen and because i believe that i i also believe that as long as i'm living my life in such a way as to be obedient fulfill mm-hmm. my duty my calling to honor god and all the things that i say and that i do that those things will not be removed from me until God removes his hand, until God has other plans in mind, which he very well may. And right. the thing is, I'm okay with that. When, if you can live with an understanding that God is in complete control and that your only duty is to obedience, then you can live with a lot of freedom because I'm not worried about, I, I don't care what someone else is going to attempt to do to destroy me or Tennessee right. stands. Like, you, you have no power here. Well, and that's why... Anybody that speaks with that kind of freedom historically has always been the biggest threat, right? That's why the prophets were killed because are beheaded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They were a huge threat because nothing, the traditional means of manipulating and blackmailing and influencing, didn't apply to them. And so when that happens, then you become a threat that they go after and they seek to cancel you. They seek to. Um, you know, we we see it now more blatantly in the culture. They'll destroy you. They'll they'll, or at least they'll aim to destroy you. And if they can't destroy you, repu- your your reputation, if they can't make you fear them, then they'll do resort to things like we've seen in Virginia. Right? They'll blatantly now blow up a house and try to say it was an accident. Yep. And and the trick the trick with uh with living like that. It's not only trusting God, it's also being okay with losing that influence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have to be someone that's in an elected position or running an organization or, or whatever, you know, type of influence you have. Trusting God at that level means you trust him to, to such a degree that you are also okay no longer having that influence right. because the thing is not the influence. Mm-hmm. The thing is obedience. obedience. Absolutely. And if it's not influence, if it's not Tennessee stands, if it's not being elected, if it's not being in the governor, you know, whatever every one of these individuals aspires to, if it's not that, you have to be okay with the fact that, well, God's got something else, and I'm good with that. And isn't that always what legislators in particular tell us when we challenge them as to why didn't you take the moral position? And they always tell us, well, if I would have taken the moral position, I would have lost my committee position. My committee position is where I have influence. That's right. They're, they're working for influence and yet having absolutely no influence for the kingdom. They, they absolutely do not understand where their influence actually comes from. Mm-hmm. They do not trust God, period. End of story. 
So, you know, um, all of that to say that that we we that was a lot, but um, well, we actually talked about Alex Jones on this podcast. Maybe yeah. <laughs> I I think we had the courage to do it because you know if, we, if Tucker talks about it, then I feel a little bit safer that people are going to give us some leeway, right? I feel like you know there was there was a a while on this show when we first started that every episode we would invite Joe Rogan to come on our show. <laughs> should we invite Alex I think we Jones? should start inviting Alex Jones and see, see if he bites, you know? Would Alex come on the show? I, I don't know. That would but be amazing. That, that would be incredible. Um, anyway, that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, before you just mentioned the uh, the building blowing up. Yes. Um, you know, it, isn't it interesting that this, um, one of the news accounts says that he was incoherent uh, espousing conspiracy theories against government officials, law enforcement, media outlets, right? That's that's always it, it's it's the Marxist playbook, isn't it? Yeah, make I, make the good guys look like a crazy guy and then justify his elimination. Well, and the funny thing is, you know, so this guy, yeah, so this crazy guy's house blows up in Arlington, Virginia, and we're just not. It's not a topic of conversation, you know, this massive explosion near the nation's capital. And again, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this Twitter thread right here. You know, who was James Yu? You know, he was his father wrote a plan to retake North Korea. Um, his mother uh, was part of the U.S. State Department uh, lead broadcaster in the South Korean division for Voice of America. Um, and James Yu himself was a head of global information and physical security at some company called Global Crossing. I mean, you know, the, these are like high-level, yep. nationally connected people, and it makes you wonder. This this house blows up. We're not talking about it. Well, what were what were they about to reveal? Maybe you right. know. I don't. What what was what just got kept from coming out? What truth are we trying to hide by this explosion? But again, you know, it it just sort of happens. I, I guarantee you, in a week. You're not going to see any more clips of this explosion anymore. It's yep. going to be gone, out of sight, out of mind. It, it, it's literally, it's literally. Someone brought this up to me a month ago. There are some people actually that that like I do that still think about the Christmas bombing in 2020. Of course, we in do. Nashville. Like you, you understand this that went away like that. Yet no, again, not only did a bomb explode in in downtown Nashville on Christmas uh, during the COVID nonsense, but it, it knocked out nine one one service for the, just about the entire state and mm-hmm. on into Kentucky and some other areas. I mean, this was a serious telecommunications, you know, um, security disaster. Yep. And there were even some, some video content and folks that suspect that it was a missile, right. you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't just some bomb sitting or, in some random or at least, RV. Or at least directed energy, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But but again, no one talks about the Chris. We 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 were never given a complete story. And blamed on some what sixty five year old white man, just like the in an Las RV. Vegas shooting. Yeah, they, why are all the, why are all the people that are allegedly responsible for the acts middle aged white guys that are in an RV and kind of loners, right? So this this guy in an RV parks in the street and takes out an entire communication system for a state. And remember, be- before <laughs> it's just... remember before it blew up, it was warning everybody to to get out. Yeah. Remember, the police were helping clear out the apartments and everything before the explosion happened, as if they knew it was coming. Yeah, the fact that those things are not yeah, so talked did, so about. So did Mayor Cooper know? 
You know, like, I mean, I don't know. Was he given, did right. they know this? Because they didn't seem to be too upset or they, shocked about it. No. And these are the questions that need to be asked. So when these events happen, you notice that the media, when they do cover them, they talk about that it happened. They never pursue why it happens, right? Yep. That doesn't matter. And this this holds true with all the Vax deaths too, right? Every time we have a young person, uh, whether it's an athlete or a child, somebody who suddenly dies, they talk about, oh, it's tragic that it happens. And nobody cares anymore to ask why suddenly do these young, healthy people, uh, they're afraid to ask the question for obvious reasons, right? Yeah, well, I, I could not be more excited, honestly, that uh, Alex Jones is back on Twitter and that the things that we're not supposed to say are going to probably be said a little bit more on Twitter uh, coming up because we need to. Look, it's the same. And I went through this uh, on September 11th this year, you know, when I, I posted a, a meme saying never forget, you know, with George Bush throwing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was implying that, yes, our, our government was complicit because – I'm I'm trying to break down the narrative. I'm trying to get people to think because all we want to do is, oh, it's such a sad day. Oh my gosh, never forget. And yeah, we we don't want to forget the people that died. But you know what? I'm interested in why they died. Like, why don't we talk about that on 9-11? Exactly. Which, Gary, if we can add one more thing, we touched on this in an episode, and I think it it ties together with everything we're talking about. If the government says and has been saying for a number of years now that they need terrorist events and terrorist-like events in order to further their controls. We also must continue to ask these questions about what happened in Israel, right? Why? Absolutely. It's, it's tragic. Hamas is evil. There's no question about that. But why did the most secure state in the world, yep. Israel, suddenly miss and allow this to happen? There, there's... There's too many questions that have to be asked, and if we're going to be consistent about being critical in our analysis and thinking, we have to ask that question. Why did that happen? And why did they call it their 9-11? Yeah. How, how did Mossad not know? Right. And how were Hamas folks, like, paragliding over the wall? <laughs> I mean— it just it's it's yeah. so so they have. But so they, Gary, you're not allowed to ask that because then no, of course you're, not. You're not you're not rightfully considering the harm that has been done. No, they have they have the dome, of course. They have a system that can shoot missiles out of the sky. But you've got Hamas paragliding over the wall. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's absurd. And ever since the attack, you notice that Israel and the United States have been able to successfully thwart the other attacks that have been coming in, right? As as Israel's advancing to remove Hamas, which I agree with, um, but... Well, yeah, but Kevin, it's because they know about those. <laughs> you see. I, it's, it is. It, these, these, these questions have to be asked. We have to ask why. Um, and even if it gets us in trouble, it makes us look like what they call conspiracy theorists. I think that phrase is getting kind of uh, worn out, which is nice because it was used effectively for many years. And the fact that Tucker has allowed Alex out of the closet into you know the mainstream again to talk about these things, I, I think will make people ask serious questions, which have to be asked. Well, actually, I, I do think that phrase is, is done with. It's lost its its effect, which is why the, the new one is now Christian nationalists. Mm. So there's, they're just re... You know, racist doesn't matter anymore. Conspiracy theorists is old, and so now it's Christian nationalism. So we're just going to keep, you know, reinventing something to be angry about. Um, you know, before we close, just worth noting, um, this week, this week... We announced it before. We talked about it. We spent a good bit of time, a good bit of time on it. But this week, 
the Tennessee legislative report card is live. And should so, have the cheery thing again. We have those hand claps and stuff for that. That deserves that. <laughs> so we're we're really really excited about um, having that out there. I think it's going to be a great tool. Um, and, and again, uh, you know, we had a, a couple of, uh, reviews, you know, a uh, couple of, legis- ah, I'm hearing a couple of legislators already got a couple of five-star reviews. Oh, good. You know? And so that's, that's good. You know, this is, I, I was glad to see those come through because this is, this is not about, uh, being antagonistic. It's not about slamming legislators. It's, a, it's about giving people, um, a, a better holistic look at not only how their legislators vote, but also how they lead and where their money comes from, and then those same those same folks have an opportunity to leave their own review and comments, and I just think that's important. So I'm I'm excited about this tool, and uh, and, and where how it goes. Do, how do we find it? It is a Tennessee TN TNReportCard.org. That's TNReportCard.org, and you know you can you can use the search bar and you can look up. There. So we've got you know over forty. Um, bills and their companion bills that were tracked through this process. And you can go to the bills page and look at all the different things that we tracked. You can use the search tool and you can search for topics, which will pull up several different bills. You can put uh, in that search bar, if you want to look at uh, a particular legislator's report card, you can put in first name, last name, all those search results will pull up. We've got a financial overview. We've got a contributions dashboard where you can drill down uh, into literally not only a percentage breakdown um, of whether of how much special interest money went in uh, to the campaign finance of any particular legislator, but you can drill down specifically to individual contributions. And I'm talking as far back as you know some legislators you know were first elected in 2006. All of that data is there. We went all the way back. I know one who was. Yeah, you know, you know, <laughs> I know one too. was elected in 2006. Yeah, me too. There's a couple of them, but uh, one one here in Williamson County. Yep. So, you know, and again, even on the, on the, what's cool about the financial stuff, I'll just say this is all public data. You know, we've we pulled all of this data down from the Tennessee uh, Registry of Election Finance website, so it's it's public data. The the issue is it's not easy to put the data together. I mean, it's it's a real monotonous process. There's no real way to visualize the data. It's just, it takes, it's, look, it took us four months to build. So this is all public, publicly available data. The trick is we've given you a one-stop shop to where you can just, you can see it and you can quickly filter through the data and look at those percentages and find those individual contributions and see which PACs are contributing to a, a multiple legislators even. So we've just, we've put a better tool in the hands of the people and we've done that, that hard work for you. So um, it's, I'm excited it's out. And it's responsive on your phone too, right? So we're looking at the computer version, but easy to access from your phone. So if someone's down at Legislative Plaza and they're having a meeting with their legislator, legislator right they can pull up their phone and yep access that you know all of it's very mobile friendly except for this this thing called the uh, contributions dashboard i do suggest if you're looking at the contributions dashboard specifically uh to get on a computer and uh, and do that but no the rest of the site all the profiles uh, all the, the the other fi- financial data that's available 
very mobile friendly. So anyway, tnreportcard.org. We're really excited that the Tennessee Legislative Report Card is now out in public, and it was a, a big project. So thankful to all of our volunteers and our team that spent countless hours putting that together, uh, countless weeks and months, honestly. Well, let me ask you one final question about that, Gary, before we sign off here. If you have to predict the response, because we're going to get a response from the people who don't like this kind of light being shined on them, and you and you are one of them, what, what do you think? They, they can't claim that any of this information is not true, right? It's, no. it's, it's, it's verifiable. It's votes, it's, it's votes and money, Kevin. Yeah. Votes and money. So That's it. If, if you're predicting, what do you think their response is going to be to this? Because I don't think they can ignore it. No, and we've already gotten some uh, positive responses. You know, for example, Representative Jody Barrett's already tweeted it out, you know. but Well, he's, he's got a 90 voting score and an A leadership grade. I mean, you know, which is a great score comparatively. Uh, so he's, you know, there, but there are going to be other folks that did not do well or didn't get a good leadership grade or, you know, that their campaigns are being funded 80% by special interests. And when you, when you put that out there and make it public, well, yeah, a lot of folks don't, don't want you, don't want anyone to see that. So um, don't you think it's more likely then, consistent with what we've been discussing, that because they cannot um, argue against the data that's in the report, they're going to draw their attention to those who created the report and say, well, this report was put out by somebody who mentioned Alex Jones on the oh, podcast, yeah, and yeah, you therefore know. you can't take that information seriously. Yeah, this whole report was built by conspiracy theorists, <laughs> you know, uh, even though, you know, the voting scores are on the legislative website, the the financial data is, is available from the state. So, you know, hey, I, I encourage everyone, check our work. Don't take our word for it. We're, we're just putting this tool out there so that you can easily access and see um, everything that uh, we think is important and that that gives you a picture into how you're being represented here in Nashville. And we think that's important. So look at all that money from somebody up there whose name I'll leave out of this for now. Pfizer and here, make that bigger for a second. Oh, yeah. Pfizer, F- Pfizer Tennessee Bankers Association, Highway Contractors, Advanced Financial, Amazon, AT&T, uh, United Health. Yeah, there's a lot of very interesting just for that part alone. There's there's an education that I think all of the members of Tennessee stands and citizens beyond obviously the organization just learning about these groups. I, most people don't even know these groups exist, let alone that they are lobbyists and giving a lot of money. If you want to know who is funding your government, go to tnreportcard.org. Awesome. Thanks, Gary. Yep. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. <laughs>